Hello, RP people, and welcome back to Role Playing as Smart People, the podcast where we pretend to know what we're talking about when it comes to RPG systems, mechanics, news, and dumb rants and topics we have way overthought. My name is Santa, and I'm glad you de- you've decided to tune in again. Joining me today is Scott W. Say hello, Scott. Hey, hey, hey. Well, Mr. Finer will not be joining us today. Uh, he's currently in Vegas with, as I quote, work. Uh, so instead of our usual banter, we'll, we'll, you know what, we decided let's try something new. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing how to write a new tabletop game. This will be covered through a, through a few episodes, so not to rush the subject, but, you know, let's start at the beginning. So, Scott, for our listeners who may not be familiar with your work, what are some of the projects you've already accomplished? Let's see, so game-wise, uh, it's a fantasy role-playing game called uh, Oubliette, Sorcery, and Reavers. And there's we just got out Neon Blood, which is a cyberpunk game using OSR rule set. So, you know, Dungeons & Dragons, but twisted a little bit for cyberpunk. Um, and then a uh, few things to add on to those. I uh, just pushed out a really quick pamphlet uh, called the Prismatic Cyclopedia of Classes for old school D&D clones to kind of sex up and take to church some of the character classes to make the fighter less boring, things like that. Uh, advancement beyond ninth level to make it more interesting and give the player some choices other than just a stagnant stopping point when they hit name level. And uh, I did the narrative, the narrative chase action deck for Savage Worlds uh, a couple years ago because I th- thought and I still think the chase rules in Savage Worlds are hot garbage. Uh, but it's good to know that there's all of a sudden a Pathfinder chase deck for Savage Worlds. So that's good. I'll take that as a compliment. And uh, what else? I've written, I helped out with uh, the 5th edition Eberron project with Keith Baker. And I'm sure there's something I'm forgetting. But yeah, there it kind of is. It's quite an impressive resume if you think about it. Like You've accomplished all that while also you know, having a, you know, having a full-time <laughs> job, having yeah. a family. And being able to do those projects, like how do you how do you properly even balance like all those things all together? Uh, so honestly, it's really like it's one of those. It's like anything, right? Spousal support. My wife gets it. She when we met, she knew I was a nerd. Her first introduction, she uh, she came into the room I was staying at. So we met in uh, uh, California, and uh, I had like you know, back in the day, I was like like. I didn't mind it, so I was like, oh, here's all the cool shit that I have. And, like, above my headboard was a bookshelf, and it was all my Shadowrun stuff and Palladium and my Dungeon Dragon stuff. And then uh, well, Axis and Allies was sitting out, and, you know, we're a third of the way through a game. And so she was just like, what in the fuck is happening? <laughs> uh, but, you know, she's not a judgy person. So she's like, oh, this is pretty cool. You know, it's it's nerdy, whatever. And then uh, just went from there. And so that's literally what it is, is having someone who has a get-it factor, you know, yeah. No, you need an outlet. Uh, and then with the kids, it's just whenever you get time. I'm an early riser no matter what. So, like, I don't sleep in on the weekends. I still get up at, you know, say 5, 5.30 on the weekends. Uh, no one else is awake. So that gives me a couple of hours to really solidly jam through some ideas. Um, but, yeah, that's it. You just take your time when you can. If I go on trips, I used to deploy a lot. And so I'd have my laptop with me. Uh, or even taking business trips. Uh, just make notes when I can, jot things down. I keep a deck of index cards with me just, just in case. Well, now I have my phone, so I'll make quick notes and I can edit most of the stuff that I do on the fly. So that's it. I mean, oh, nice. yeah. The wonders of technology. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, on that topic, you were saying, you know, you always keep notes on, uh, what would you say, like, how do you find inspiration for new ideas? How does it generally come, like come to you? Oh, arrogance. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so simple things. I was it's sometimes lately. Yeah. Like, so neon blood, right. Yeah. Um, Basically, I looked at Shadowrun, I looked at Cyberpunk, even Cyberpunk Red, and it's just, it's too complicated, it's just, they're still, I hate to say hot garbage, because it sounds so mean, but like, there are better ways of accomplishing things, and I look at what's wrong with those, you know, the, the primary mm-hmm. concerns that people have, and I think, I could do that better, and I think I have an idea of how, and I go to it, um, and then for Oubliettes and the Sorcery and Reavers, so OS and R, uh, that started out as just... Like anything else, right? There's 15,000 clones of Dungeons and Dragons where everyone just takes the SRD, tweaks it a little bit, and okay, cool. I put my I put my game out, um, and then uh, I, you know, that didn't really work out that way, and it twisted up, and it kind of started to hinge on one from one central concept, and that's really how I do what I write is it's one unique concept, and then I branch out from there and get the rest of the system to to fit in, the rest of the theme to fit in with that. Oh, nice. So you you tend to like almost have a very basic idea and then you just expand it further for your oubliettes one. What was that idea that you really kind of expanded to a full game? Uh, spell casting in Dungeons and Dragons in general is boring as shit and it doesn't feel special or dangerous. And I wanted to, I wanted to alleviate that and I wanted to have characters who play spell casters to feel awesome. And I don't mean just power. I mean, like I, I wanted them to at the table, to have a risk reward, you 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 know you you guys have played with me before, so you know pretty yeah. much everything I write is a risk reward concept, um, where it may sound cool, but there's going to be something to it that you're not gonna you may not enjoy too much, and on the surface it may may seem okay. So for that, and it was also a part of like look, spellcasters just cast spells and that's it, and then the rolls go on the other side of the coin for the monsters and whatnot. But a fighter, a ranger, and these they always have to roll, so there's always a, a, a status of failure. For those character classes, whereas casting spells, you're just like, yeah, I cast a spell. So I was like, no, we're going to change that up. We're going to make magic more interesting. And uh, so I came up with uh, the concept of magic being uh, basically, you know, uh, positive, negative, and neutral magic. Yeah. And then a church, you know, those got churchy, dis- churchy descriptions. Black magic comes from the comes from the what I call the fell, which is the negative plane. Neutral magic comes from the the. Like a, oh, the Twilight Realm, or where the elves would dwell naturally, fairies, that thing, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the the light or the the purity magic is kind of grounded in the heavens, or more of a not almost a divine, but just concentrating on good powers. And essentially, so like magic missile would be a, a, a in the black magic category because it harms. Where healing is a white magic, and illusions might be you know the gray neutral magic. And so when I, after I, I had that down, I ran with the idea that, okay, cool, but what makes them different other than I just cast spells? Okay, cool. Well, if you fail to cast a spell, the white magic, you either, you know, you can lose the spell uh, for the day or you can, you know, uh, take one point of damage. Okay, well, black magic, you can, if you fail it, you will lose the spell and you will take damage. And the gray magic is you lose the spell for the day, right? So there's this weird balance. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, well, cool, because I know people are going to like cast the spells. So I made black magic easier to cast as a target number than white magic. White magic is more difficult to cast because it's more pure of heart, pure of soul, pure of spirit. And you're tapping into a different category. 
And I went that route with it and really just drilled down into that and got the spells aligned. And that was pretty much it. And, you know, the the first quote I have from the initial play tests, and we did, we turned it down a little bit, was uh, a buddy of mine was running it for his local group. And, they, and the quote was like, whoever wrote this game fucking hates spellcasters. <laughs> so. Just because you made it so punishing? It's, it, that's the thing. It's not really punishing. You don't have a lot of hit points, but it's also... So it's also an offset. I don't know if, if you have the, the, the game from playing with me or not, but like um, uh, that's a game I also included. The, so every spellcaster, there's only one spellcaster class. It's the mage. But they all start with um, a focus, right? So I have focus, fetishes, talisman, spell components, and that shit all matters too. And this, that's part of that broader system of my design is I wanted everything that a mage would have on them to matter. So even a material component in D&D doesn't mean anything. Who cares? It's just, it's a trapping and it's, a, it's dumb and it's, it's a way of bogging you down most dms don't even use them but in this my system they actually can matter and so you can offset some of what's happening based on these fetishes and they only have certain uses and some of them are tied to one spell some are tied to one effect of a spell and there's a whole there's this, it's a whole little it's a fun little metagame that you get to play as a spellcaster with your with your character knowing what you can do and then saying hey you know i'm down to a couple of hit points but we're in a lot of trouble. Do I need to cast this this spell, this arcane bolt? Well, yeah, let's just try it. And if I go down, I go down. Um, you know, and that's the thing. So yeah, I believe in I believe in choices. And that that the statements they weren't really understanding of like, okay, well, because it sounds harsh. It's like, well, you said the the mages were going to take damage. Yeah, but the fighters and the thieves are in combat. They're just in the same amount of danger, right? Mm-hmm. It's just there's a, is more internal while theirs is more external. Exactly right, and they're probably facing worse odds because they're fighting multiple combatants and having to deal with that kind of shit. Whereas you're just juggling a spell or two here or there and trying to figure out what's going on. So I, th- and once people have it explained or you know once people see it in action, it becomes pretty significant. And then also you can also get around the damage you're being dealt if you have you know sacrifices and willing supplicants and shit like that. So it can be pretty dark. So uh, interesting, and I think you did send me your uh, the Oubliettes game. It was on mm-hmm. my old phone before I actually used the backup storage thing. So I think it's uh, MIA <laughs> right now, lost in the broken screen. I'll set you up a folder on my Dropbox. <laughs> nice. I'll take uh, another look at it. It's been God. I nah. think that was like almost like the first month or two that we actually m- met. You sent that to us. Probably because when I first meet people, especially at cons and shit, they're like, well, cons be different because they know I'm there as I'm registered as a designer. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of folks are like, oh, you just talking shit. And then you start looking around things and you're like, oh, no, you're for real. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've actually, I've actually done things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for curiosity, just before we uh, start talking a little bit more about mechanics and all that, for someone who's writing an RPG, how long? Not to try and dissuade anyone from doing it, because it is a more of a lengthy project. How long did your first standalone game actually take to go from an idea to publish? Uh, yeah. Was it qu- was it quite a long time, or that's sort of an unfair one? But yes, that was years. Like oh man, three, maybe four years, five years. But I wasn't writing the whole time, and so that's why we'll, we'll compare the two. Uh, so we'll say that one. Uh, OSNR was the first thing I really did. Yep. And then um, that took a long time to get out, but it wasn't all writing. And I, I know we're going to talk about where we'll come back to that of, of why and how. Neon Blood went from uh, 
concept in early spring of 2020. And it was completed and it was completed and published and sent out to all the backers in January, February of 21. Was it? No, I'm maybe, maybe well, I'm I wrong. I just got the book in what? Yeah, when did you see this? See, man, my timeline is all worked up in my head now because I'm still living on like last year's. Yeah, because I'm trying. I think the first, I think your Kickstarter for that came out in like May. It sounds about right. Oh, no. Yeah, they probably, then I launched, I would have launched it and it was added to the PDF went in on in September. Yeah. So I'm, I'm stupid as shit. So yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, I, I, yeah, I, I thought I just got the book like a couple months ago. Yeah. No. So the Kickstarter, yeah, would have launched early spring and then the book was delivered in September, which was, mm-hmm. I think, ahead of, ahead of, by ahead by a month i always try to get things out early uh yeah you know people deserve it it's their money and with just because you said that was quite off and on so again these are projects that sometimes take years especially when you were working on anything when you were more focused on how long do you think it actually came for, for neon blood Okay, so Neon Blood, yeah, I launched it in January, and that means January to September is when I was hardline designing, committed to it, yeah. and I was testing Neon Blood, so that was 21, I was testing Neon Blood in, like, summer of 20 with my local group, and they ran through the first few instances, uh... And mostly testing out like the, the key components that I wanted to that I didn't like mm-hmm. about other other games, and so yeah, so uh, so it's nine about a year 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 and some change from concept to to go and out mm-hmm. the door. Yeah, it's about it's about average, I would think. Sometimes I mean, some people take forever, and some people are faster. It depends on the size of the book. Um, that was a mistake I made with OSNR um, because your page count, if you're having a professional layout. You're you're looking at you know Neon Blood was uh six hundred seven hundred dollars to get lay layout done yeah you know so you take all that into consideration uh, but yeah so about a year and a half and it just depends like I said your size of your book what you're writing what you're looking at doing yeah uh, and then everything else that comes into that even custom art style stuff like that just yeah right it yeah takes time. yep yep you, you can't let people people will freak out especially artists when you're like I need this in thirty days don't do that to an artist. <laughs> don't no, do that they need their time yeah i've known a few artists um, yeah yeah they'll be done when they're done and yeah man. appreciate it if you don't push they appreciate yeah. it and you'll end up with better work <laughs> if you don't push them yeah and answer their questions because they actually want to give you something that you want to be proud of yeah you know like the kid who did the art for in neon blood the art that is in the the gear cage of the dude standing there on the street corner at the kiosk buying guns yeah Probably one of my favorite pieces. I, I just saw this kid and I, I contacted him out of the blue and was like, hey, here's my nerd credentials. Are you willing to do something like this? And I mean, he asked a thousand questions, but he's a solid fucking artist. And I started looking through his Insta and it was just like, dude, wait a minute. You're doing all this art, but he's using live action models and how he accomplishes it. And I was just blown away. So I told him, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, so all these pictures are real. It's like this is amazing. Holy shit! <laughs> That's dope. So oh, you have an idea, a brand new idea. 
Mm-hmm. What would be your first course of action to actually get you started? Ooh, so make the notes around that one core concept. I'm not talking mm-hmm. like narrative, you know, don't don't do the stupid world book of how long the elves have been around. No one gives a shit about that. That's that's a dark that's a big secret that comes <laughs> later. Yeah. But you want to look at like that one concept and, and kind of make those notes and and think about it in your head. Sit down at a table with dice and you know, minis if you have to, and go from there. And you can start building out of how that affects. That one idea is going to affect the rest of your system because, you know, if you're not just sitting down saying, oh, I'm just going to do another Dungeons & Dragons basic set. All right, no one gives a shit about that, right? Um, so that's just that, that's already done for you. But if you have these core concepts, and you're like, okay, cool, this is what I want to do. Like, so in Neon Blood started with the initiative. And I know you've played Neon Blood and people have played Neon Blood. So if you haven't, in Neon Blood, my core idea was gunfights and hacking need to take place simultaneously and be just as fun and just as fast for both sides of the table. And no game has accomplished that. Hacking is still fucking boring in Cyberpunk. It's still slow. Shadowrun, it's boring as all shit, right? It's too much going on. So how do you streamline that? And how do you make a two-way range that also lets you function as a hacker that is helping the team out, no shit, and or getting data. And so that's where I did the, I was like, okay, cool. What if I had initiative and you roll it and you roll and you, you could take that initiative number and it's not just, I rolled a 15, so I'm knowing going at 15. What if I said, you get to divide that total up into a certain number of op- option segments. You can't repeat a number and you can't go past what your initial total was. And it sounds complicated at first until you play it like the first round. And mm-hmm. then you see the lights go on with everybody. Everyone's like, oh, shit, this is awesome. And then because part of that concept was, again, give and take. Awesome. You can take five actions per round. But is that the smartest thing that you can do? As a gunfighter, maybe not. You may want to concentrate on something else while the hacker really likely needs to go as fast as possible, as many times as possible to get through a system. Unless there's an enemy combatant hacker who's shutting down your team's cybernetics, and then you're going to want to go before anyone else to stop that, wait for your next turn, and get back on the path. And so I wanted to have that. And that entire game is written around that one concept of initiative needs to be a give and take and a gambling affair, and it needs to be the most important piece that happens at the table for you in combat. It's where your party starts discussing, we're we're in trouble and we need help. So that's really the advice. Get that core concept down. Make as many notes as possible. Play with it. Shoot holes in it. Find out where it's going to be boring, where it's too complicated, too cumbersome, um, and you'll be fine. And from there, you'll start seeing how it how that 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 concept feeds into everything else. Well, I even remember um, when we we're playing the starter when we we're playing the starter quest of when essentially the game came out. And we were playing with uh, your friends, and it was, I think it was, was it me, Finder, and uh, the other guy who used to be in our group. And that was one thing that really drew me to playing the game, was the fact that we really did have to decide. And I remember I was driving, I was playing a wheelman. And at one point, I knew we need to get everyone in the car. But on that initiative, I rolled really damn high. So I had multiple initiatives. So. I ended up what I was able to do was I hit a guy on a motorcycle uh, who was a bad guy, not just a random uh, <laughs> dude. And then I got since I split up my initiative, I picked also the last initiative. So everyone was able to hop in the car and just drive out. And I remember that mechanic. I was like, this is a lot of fun. 
It's good. And it's not even, and it's not slow. When you first hear it, it also feels like it's going to be slow, but it's really not. It's very fast at the table, I would say. And you've played it, so I, I don't know if you feel it's it's faster. No, it, it it was really quick. The only thing that slowed us down is we're on roll twenty, so we're trying yes. to figure out how to do how to do that with yeah. uh with the cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, that was that was such a pain in the ass. Although Finder is making sure that never happens again. Bless his yeah. heart. So. Thank you, Finder. Yeah, man. Yeah. Character is dope on roll twenty, man. God damn. Yeah. Yeah, when it's that so gets sexy. released, it might be released by the time this one comes out. But if anyone has has the has neon, like it, it looks so cool. Yeah. It actually got like glowing lights in it. I think right. Yeah, it's literally neon. Yeah, yeah, That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. So when someone's writing an RPG, what do you think they should focus on more initially? Do you think they should try and focus on the mechanics more, or actually the theme more to start out? Uh, with? So I would say it's more heavily weighed towards mechanics. Yeah. Uh, because that's that's really the crunch of the game, right? If if the mechanics suck and they don't work, you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, you're gonna go. The theme is gonna carry through with that though. You're gonna you, you have no choice. Um, because you have to the 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 mechanics also need to inform your game about and what are you trying to accomplish with it. It's just kicking indoors and you know, slaying dragons. There's there's still something go lean more towards the mechanics but you're not gonna you you can't get around having a theme like i'm writing task force raven now and um mechanics are easy it's straightforward but you need to go and i've i've already gone back through some of those mechanics and be like okay no this would be more thematically so i need to make a shift here and and do that and even while writing it was like okay cool what do i need oh hold on let me go back okay hold on and you kind of jump around a little bit um but yeah yeah you definitely need your mechanics. That's, that's where you make your money. No one gives yeah. a shit about a setting book that has bad <laughs> mechanics. Um, so you would you would say that? Well, from the sounds of it, it sounds like mechanics and essentially the theme, the setting, they yeah. really have to be intertwined. How do you balance that for like a playing aspect? Like, how do you balance? You know, the mechanics really bleeding into the theme, but the theme also bleeding into mechanics. How do you really keep that level there? Oh, man. Uh, Jesus, it's almost. It's kind of a it's like picking the right art. It's almost this this point of intuition Mm -hmm. um, where you can kind of just feel something. You can feel something works or something doesn't work. And you'll know. Even the even the the worst the worst artist knows deep in their heart, you know. You got to kind of listen to that inner voice, um, and then bounce some of that stuff off of other people who might be familiar with the subject matter. Uh, so that might help you and get some ideas. But yeah, it's just like I said, doing Task Force Raven right now is I, I I'll go through it and I did it all. You guys you guys have seen a couple of drafts now of of that the you know the the character really, yeah. and it's like okay cool here it is first one. All right, well, shit, I need to really go back and look at this. Hold, this doesn't feel right. And you just kind of keep doing that. And that's some of that early tinkering where you start hammering down. You're like, okay, now and you'll get to a point where the mechanics are, are getting solid. The theme is beginning to take control. And then you'll start adjusting the mechanics to the theme at a finer degree. Um, it happened with Neon Blood. There was a few things that Neon Blood was a drastically different game up until like the last maybe couple of months. Um, because the theme and the, the my agenda in that game, I needed to tone down 
some of what was happening. Like I went the route of like some of the other games and like, no, auto fire means this and here's how it works. And I finally realized like, wait a minute, man, this is no one, no one cares. Let me downshift a little bit. I need combat to be awesome, but I need combat. I need the characters and the players to feel like they're making the choices and being awesome. And so here's how you downshift that and maintain your theme. I don't even know if that answers the question. It's just, I don't know, man. It it does because at the end of the day, like even like I, I was kind of thinking while you were talking here, like a lot of the times you have that cool mechanic that you want to throw in, right? But as it kind of goes, you may realize that the cool mechanic itself, it it's still cool, but it doesn't really fit the theme. Like it, it's for like to kind of use it as an example. Uh, we've had this conversation a bit about like mechanics just uh, between me, me and you and well on Discord. So and Finder uh, yeah. about how sometimes the mechanics themselves, you can't just put a mechanic in because it's neat looking. You have to do it because it serves a purpose. Yeah. Um, I have an obsession with cards. So you kind of know that from what you've seen. <laughs> and the one I've had, I've written like five or six different things where I've literally thrown out 98% of it because at the <laughs> end of it, I, I realized I was just trying to shove in cards because I like cards yep. and you really need to figure out why you're using the cards and you have to have a purpose for the whole thing, not just one little aspect of it because you don't want to have dice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I dig cards. I feel like, I, you know, I mentioned before on the podcast, I have way too much money invested in playing cards because I played a lot of Savage Worlds. I mean, I've written professionally for Savage Worlds now. So I have all these cards. And at one point, I was designing a universal system. And I was like, I was like, man, you got a lot of money in cards. You should try to find a way of using these fucking cards because you could still theme the game with cards. Yeah. And I, and I had a clever mechanic. I still think it's a cool mechanic, but it's one that I had to just, I mean, the whole, the whole project is on the, on a, on a shelf right now, but yeah, using those cards, I ran through, some people loved it. Some people were like, fuck man, you're really complicating shit. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's real easy. If it's this, then this, then that. And it's like, yeah, maybe I need to just stop and take a step back and I just put it on pause and you know. Mm -hmm. Well, even like, uh, as we're talking about this, like I'm thinking, like while I was trying to write like a war game uh, that was using cards, my biggest issue was I kept on going, like I kept on trying to draw inspiration from other things, but I just I kind of <laughs> felt like at some point I was just ripping off the Malifaux game, yeah, because they use cards and like it's it's a really neat system. If anyone like I don't know if you've ever looked into Malifaux, um, not a but, war game, so you know that. <laughs> the war game? Yeah, it, it's a war game. Yeah, but yeah. there's actually an RPG that's also based on it. Hmm. But yeah. That's it, right. Yeah. Re really neat system. Also uses cards. But I, cool. I kept on just like borrowing from that. And at the end of it, I was like, oh, this is just not working how I thought. Like there's some of my stuff in here, but it's just not working out as it is. Um, side note, if you really want some really badass lore, uh, once you're done listening to this podcast and every single episode that we release, uh, check out the Breachside podcast because they just do lore stories, um, uh, stories from Malivo, and they have some of the coolest stories all based around the game. Like, it's awesome. That's cool. Very yeah. cool. But anyways, uh, back to self-promotion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. no, it's not self-promotion. This is ostensibly to help folks who oh, are just i meant self-promotion as in uh for yeah. our podcast you know yeah. we talk yeah, about man. ours not trying to tell people what listen to another one <laughs> whatever i got a whole yeah. list of podcasts people should listen to oh god yeah yeah 
Yeah, but man. um, but yeah, um, so while you're kind of writing, how do you keep yourself immersed in the setting through the whole thing? Because it's very easy to kind of burn out on the same kind of setting, I would say. Oh, yeah, this is, so this is where the, we go back to the having a having a, a cool ass wife who who understands. So uh, when I'm writing, so like Neon Blood, right? I watch cyberpunk movies. I did cyberpunk audiobooks, cyberpunk art, uh, dubstep music, which dubstep's not really in the game because I have a Gen Zer in the house, and she she introduced me to a whole different genre of music because I was Googling some shit one night, and she's like, oh, yeah, try this. And in Neon Blood, that became the, the theme music for the entire game because of my 25-year-old. It's not dubstep. No, it's 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 um it's basically it's trap metal, um a whole different side topic, but it's this it's just it's so I do that I watch in all these movies and my wife is cool because she was like she'll even ask me like even for the for the game we're running the fantasy game now she's like oh well uh, do you want to watch a fantasy movie or you know you want to watch something that won't mess you up like we we finished off the Expanse we're watching that and she's like well are you sure the, you know sure you're watching the Expanse isn't going to kind of screw you up for. Uh, kind of focusing on the fantasy stuff and i was like no no it's cool i'm not really writing anything so this is fine but yeah it's how i did for neon blood i mean it was and yeah you i don't know can you burn out it depends so that, i guess that's a real that's that's a big point is you actually have to give a shit you actually have to like the topic you can't just like i've been a cyberpunk nerd since i was a wee tiny kid yeah um that's just my jam i love the idea i love the genre i love the dystopian future i love seeing it playing out in real time in 2020 2021 to 2022 now slightly terrifying but um you have to actually like the genre that you're writing for and you can't just look at this as a money-making prospect because you're it's not going to happen um you really got to give a shit and so when i'm immersed in like all the cyberpunk stuff it was just awesome to me because i'm like but yeah, man, I mean, I went and bought, I had the video games, um, just Jesus, everything, you know, uh, I even have the, uh, where is she? There she is. I have one of the little Funko Pops. I'm not really into that shit, but I bought the female V from the cyberpunk video game. So I have her, I have the cyberpunk 2077 Xbox, uh, you know, my trauma I'm center. Sorry about that, by the way. What the game? <laughs> yeah, I came out pretty busted at launch. Oh, uh, it was it's a hot mess, but I still finished it. Um, you know, just because it's it's just there, and I'm like, I'm in a cyberpunk world, and if I needed to take a break from writing, I'm like, okay, let me recharge myself. It's you know four thirty in the morning. I'm gonna play a little a couple of missions. I'm gonna re-energize myself. But yeah, that's kind of how it is. You you have to immerse yourself in in the topic. And that's my advice for being a great game master. Is you also, you know. You can't go watch a bunch of like weird rom coms and then try to run like a fucking grim dark mork board. That's just not gonna not gonna do well for you. Um, <laughs> try to try to get your immersion in when you can, you know. No, that's uh that's a fair point. Maybe that's why uh I keep on hopping from game to game because I tend to just I I'm a little bit of a scatterbrain. I know yeah, it happens. Um I love just like I never like sticking to one thing for too long. I like hopping from system to system. I like reading different kind of genres. I even like with books, like you'll catch me reading like uh, one, one of the battle tech books. And then the next, like in a month and a half from now, you're going to see me reading like uh, the black company where you'll see, which is uh, a yeah. fantasy grimdark. And then you'll catch me reading something else. And then even a biography, it's, 
No, I'm tracking. I I like I I like I like variations, and I have trouble sticking to one kind of setting. Yeah, man. If you're trying to write something, it's just it's super helpful. It really is. And I know there are some people who, like some of the novelists don't like doing it because they're like, oh, what am I going to steal from that that project? Mm. And I think people need to stop looking at it like that um, because it's not stealing. It's 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 you are you know you're you're drawing inspiration. Yeah. Um, you know, or you're seeing where they went wrong or what you didn't like about it. Like, well, here's what I would have done with that. Uh, you know, um, and I, I, I think that's really helpful for people. But yeah, jumping around it's tough, man. I like you know fantasy is my jam. I grew up playing D and D and shit, but um you just gotta force yourself and there's some times when I'm like, oh I'll make a compromise and I'll watch like, you know, Star Wars. So I still have space wizards and, you know, space dragon monsters and shit with laser swords and all that jazz and <laughs> i still kind of get it in me um if i'm doing a heist i'll watch firefly because i love firefly and it allows me to do some things or if i'm doing like a weird west kind of thing i'd be like oh let me watch firefly and just imagine if it was real weird <laughs> you know just yep just keep on jump. Yeah. pretty much just watch firefly yeah like what if inara had you know cast spells yeah see and like this is why this is why i like like chatting with you on this stuff because there's so many times where you just like hey what do you think about this idea and like you'll you'll like say this random thing and then all of a sudden i'll (laughs) i get something stuck in my head and i'll write out like this two-page document and i'll send it to you i'm like hey what do you think of this and then i'll never touch it again (laughs) that's the thing man we have our one project that we need to work on oh Uh, yes I, i to be honest i kind of uh with you kind of forgot. Oh, with all the stuff kind of going on, with yeah. figuring out, I can. St- I'll start working on it again. Well, it's fine. So, because and also, I'm looking at the system, and I, you know, you've seen, you've seen the, the, the system that I'm working on. Yeah. Cross genre stuff, and yeah. I think that will fit very well. It probably even better than some of the genres that it's attached to right now. Yeah, and like what. <laughs> Not to get into details about that kind of stuff on stream, but it, it that was one of those ones where I was trying to write for it, and it was just yeah. it was sorry I covered my face there, so my my voice might have been a little muffled, but it's one of the it has a really interesting setting, and the way that I want to write down some of the stuff is very unique. Mm-hmm. And it's it's, yeah. it's 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 very it's 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 fun, but it's yeah. very hard. I, I I think I deleted like I wrote stuff and then deleted like the document completely like four times. Yeah, and trying to figure out because I just wasn't able to get it properly. But it happens. So don't delete it. You leave it, and then you just yeah. start. You sh- you shift tone because that's what I'll do with like the naming of things. I'll shift yeah. tone in it and be like, no, this should this should sound like this. And so, like for your stuff, that I I know what you want to write. I would say you should look up videos on like uh, Cockney rhyming schemes and shit like that, because of the way those are delivered. If you're not familiar with how the the Cockney rhyme game of street criminals, how that works, yeah, it's real. It's real interesting. It's re- it replaces words and first consonantals and vowels and shit with other ones. Um, but if you're born into that, you understand it. And I think that level of 
slang speak could be manipulated for what we're trying to capture Ooh. with the project. You'll have to send me I'll send you some stuff. <laughs> yeah, send me, send me yeah. some stuff. Um, All right. <laughs> yeah, I, I got Mondays off now, and I, I'm planning to do that just as a work day without having to go to my yeah. nine to five. Oh, yeah, nine to five. Yeah. job. There you um, go. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> okay, so actually, this kind of le- bleeds into it because uh, how important do you think it is in figuring out what system you want to use initially? Ah, uh, man. Okay, so that is vital. <laughs> Even if you're going to make up a system, especially if you're making up a system, like the system I'm playing with now, I've, today I found a couple of flaws, and I was just like, how do I overcome this? Okay, I need to address this. Um, so if you're writing for, so, you know, you can't copyright game mechanics. You can only copyright the words that go around those mechanics. That's a little free lesson for everyone. <laughs> Uh, Gary Gygax and them found that shit out the hard way, and it's just it's just the reality. You can you can you can borrow heavily from a mechanical side set, so that's why shit like Zweihander copies Warhammer, right? You can't you can't deal you can't do anything about the mechanic side yeah. of the house. So, but you have to with when it comes to that system, it needs to be a system that you see potential for, right? Can it do more? Can you push it? Can you stretch it? Uh, or is it just a system that you're very familiar with and you want to design like a genre that you don't see represented in that? Like OSR doesn't really have cyberpunk. Yeah, they have uh, mirrored, uh, shit, mirrored Shade. Mirrored Shades is a black hack offshoot. Great game. Cyberpunk, very rules light, like 20 pages or some shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I own it. It's a great, great system, but that's like really the only one that's OSR oriented. There might be a couple more, but they're... You know, I don't, I, I don't really chalk them up there, and so I was that for me. That was an opportunity to be like, well, shit, I want to write cyberpunk, and I like OSR. I like the D and D skill set. It makes sense, and millions of people understand strength, intelligence, wisdom, and all that shit. So let's use that because it all makes sense. But put your twists on it, and your spins on it, and some of those twins, the spins. Ah, jeez, I can't talk. Some of the twists and spins I use. You know, people get irritated, but it is what it is. As long as you can explain it and it makes sense and it can make sense to you mechanically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and if you're designing your own system, that's that's really, and I'm going through that now. Uh, this is the second go around with designing my own system. Um, the first one I designed was I was asked, I see your video, it was a game group I had locally in Maryland, and it was like, I understand what you're going for, but why don't I just play this other game that this is similar to? Right, so that project got shelved. That was the one using the cards and shit too. And no, it wasn't just like Savage Worlds, but there was a feeling of familiarity that the group actually had. And so I was like, that's a good point. I need to come back to that. I just haven't gotten back to it yet. But like in the new one, it's just I have this idea of like, how do you make a really fun, really fast, very simple setting or system that anyone can play from kids on up and you don't need a lot to get it done, And but your characters are highly customizable. And so that's where we are. Um, with with that, and so it's super important um, that you pick the right system and you understand what you're doing. Um, mecha- mechanics. I don't think there. I don't think there's. I don't think there's a lot of math to it. Not for me. There's not. Because um, yeah, I hate math. So I just. I don't look at odds. I just look at how things would pan out to be fair. And that's where your mechanics. And if you really, if the system you're in your head or the systems you're writing for can handle it. A negative two, minus, uh, negative two, positive two, 
is a good baseline. Does that hold water? You know, neon blood, that's a fair treatment. That's half of being trained in a, in a, in a skill set. So you kind of know it works. Advantage, disadvantage, take advantage. Take, take those. Those mechanics are amazing. People poo-poo them and say they're a cheater's way out of doing. Nobody wants to sit at the table and do minus 8 plus 5, minus 11 plus 2 times 1. No one gives a shit about that. I know people are going to disagree with that, but no one does. Your, your players do not want to sit and do this high-range calculus and algebra and shit at the table. They just want to know, is the skill hard or super hard? Is it easy or really easy based on what I'm trying to do with my character is? So go with that um, when you're looking at systems and what you want to do with them. Hopefully that answers that part one. Oh, that does. Uh, and the second part, actually, it was uh, do certain themes seem to work better with certain types of systems? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Um, maybe. I don't know. I think I proved that you could write a solid cyberpunk game in, oh, in using Dungeons & Dragons as a, as, a, as, a, as a template, right? Um, was it difficult? Probably a little more because you got to take some weird things into consideration, like hit points and guns don't really make a lot of sense, you know? Yeah. Um, it's just is what it is, right? But if you if you narratively explain what's really happening, people can read that and go, "Oh, okay, I get it." Hit points represent the stress of battle, you know. Until yeah, those first those last few bullets rip into your body, and then you just you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, shit like that, which is you know, whatever. It's it just is what it is. Um, yeah, I would think that yeah, there are definitely genres that are easier to accomplish with with certain systems, but I think you can make anything work if you're really willing to. You got to step outside the box, and you can't look at, you know, you can't you can't really make Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition, and just give them, you know, you can do it, but it's not going to be as genuine if you just I'm going to put a gun in the character's hand. Okay, cool story, but that's not really what you know. That's just that's just such a low low level of effort. Um, I was almost going to say some shit, and then I just realized I was like, "Oh my god, that's a really good idea." <laughs> we, just, um, we put that in my back pocket. <laughs> I, th- I, nice. I think it also may come down to like the goal of the game. Like listening to you talk, I was just thinking, like going back to our second episode, the the simulation and playability. Like, if you want a high degree of simulation, you're going to have to have more kind of like crunchy kind of math in it just because yeah like Shadowrun, like some people swear by that game they love that game no matter how crunchy it is that system for them is absolutely perfect for that yeah i think also if you prefer more of um a classless style game you're going to have to have a little bit more crunch to it like even like our favorite system just between the group is savage worlds that's one we mm-hmm. all met on and although it, it's a very simple game to play, if you look at the character creation, there is a lot more like it, it's a character creation crunch. Like they have yep. more of a more it's more on the player's end. Initially, once the game actually starts going, you don't really have many of those things, but you do have a lot more. I guess build time when it comes to characters, you can't just like yeah. pop one off like Markborg where. Yeah, you know, you can do five minutes, and here you go. What's his name? I don't know. He's probably going to die. Who cares? Well, so that's the thing, right? And that kind of goes back to what we've been talking about. Is if you look at like, if you look at Morgborn, you're looking at what kind of game you want to design. No, they just did, Wizards did a survey, and the average campaign when a group of people sit down at the table, whether virtual or or physical, they found out the average number of sessions played by those people with those same characters is about six. Yeah, and that that's it. 
So these long campaigns, those are actually anomalies. When you go from first to tenth level or first to twentieth level, those are actual anomalies. Yeah, um, chance of you having a Matt Mercer uh, campaign, yeah, probably pretty slim. Right, because your players aren't getting f-ing paid to sit there at that table, you know, no. week after week. And it just is what it is. And yeah, there are some campaigns, but they did find out, and then they have a broad survey, you know, that they did. And so you look at a game like Mortborg. Mortborg isn't designed for more than what f-ing a few sessions at most, and then yeah. you're done. You're gonna die. Yeah, you're gonna give up, and you're gonna and and your characters are gonna change. And it's just it is what it is. Now, do you have the same story running? Hell, I don't know. Maybe the GM is like that, but. As soon as you start changing characters, man, that's kind of that alters the whole the whole perception of, of how the game plays out. Oh, totally. But yeah, and it, it is tough, but you're not wrong. You look at a game like uh Vampire the Masquerade. Super easy to play, really. Super simple game. Oh yeah. But char- character creation is not not really super super simple. There's, no, a, lot and, of sh- there's a lot of shit in there. <laughs> and that's not everyone's like cup of tea. Like as yeah. as you know for me, I actually like crunchy character designs i loved being able to take those rules and see what i can do and it helps me come up with ideas and everything like that yep. but i'm you know that's me like if you talk to someone else like if you were asked to make a character in that you'd probably just end up you know not playing i'd look, I'd look one up on the internet or do a random generator <laughs> online i'm not even gonna lie to you oh, <laughs> I, I, don't have, I don't have any interest in that in that degree of, of information for a character i just want to play the game and hear you still hear the story Oh, yeah. totally. Even um, one of the, um, even one of the games I've backed recently, New Edo, um, to me it looks super fun. I love the character creation. The rules <laughs> themselves look super light, but like, I know I would never be able to get you to play that. <laughs> Just I, I, would, I would play it. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah, I, I would play. It's not that well, big of a deal. You you'd run it. <laughs> oh, you, then I would have to run it then. But. Um, yeah, it's not bad. I, I mean, shit, I ran Cyberpunk Red, for God's sakes, and I absolutely cannot stand the Cyberpunk games because yeah. it's so f***ing complicated. Um, but yeah, and then like with, with your kind of keeping on the theme of you're looking at mechanics, you're looking at themes, and you're looking at like the trick mechanic, uh, the Dragon Age role-playing game, right? So the AGE system or the Age yeah. system from Green uh, Ronin, right? So... They have a thing in there where if you roll doubles, you then those I mean you get these points and you can do these cool little tricks in combat or now outside of in, in social combat and all that shit. Well, those are great. Well, one of the tricks is like I'm gonna spend points to trip my opponent. Okay, cool story. But that also that also means by design you can't trip your opponent unless you roll those points, right? Yeah. And so to me that removes player agency from the game because now you have to roll the doubles, and I'm just like. At first, I really thought it was a cool system. And then when you start playing, you're like, oh, shit, yeah, no, you got to wait. You can't just do that. Well, I want to push him back. Well, that's also a special move, so I'm sorry. You know, so what makes him a great idea at first can kind of start to shit around, you know, fall apart around you. Yeah, and it all comes down to the fact that some ideas don't work. Um, so, yeah, kind of keep on that same thing. Mm-hmm. When you're writing a system and you already kind of go and you have one of those mental roadblocks where it's like, you're all of a sudden like thinking, my God, I got to redo a bunch of this stuff. Cause it's just not working with how it is. How do you keep yourself motivated in order to push through those so that you're able to, I guess, continue on. Oh, so, uh, this goes back to when I said we would put a pin in, uh, OSNR and why it took years to design. Right. Yeah. So, uh, OSNR, 
just because we had a lot going on too at the time. Um, I was still I was still stationed in Maryland. We just had a lot going on with the family and the kids, and so I wasn't really getting to it. And I knew the game was just boring as shit, right? And it was just a D and D clone. I was like, "This is nothing, man. I'm just changing names and off, you know, shit like that." I was like, all I'm doing is I'm 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 using a thesaurus and going to call it all good. And it's just I didn't feel it in my heart. And so one morning I was passed out on the couch because if I, I sometimes I get real early, I just start burning up from temperature wise, and I'm like, I gotta cool off. So I'm hanging on the couch and I was laying there and I saw a video pop up from Max Landis. Now I can understand Max Landis got canceled, didn't get canceled. I don't really give a shit. That's between Max Landis and everybody else around him. Um, everybody talks a lot of shit about H.P. Lovecraft and yet f***ing the guys from Evil Hat Productions still made a lot of money off of a Kickstarter as, as much as they despise him. So let that just be your, your compass point for when you're using certain certain things. Um, but Max Landis did a, had a video on YouTube, and it came still up. I actually downloaded it. I still listen to it. Uh, and it was called Eat Your Ashes. And it's like three minutes, 41 seconds. And it's Max Landis walking you through a movie set, talking about his first idea he had as a kid about this adventure story he was trying to write that was dumb as shit. And he knew it. And he walks through the process of what it means to be an artist and what it means to want to get that creative bug out and, and on into the physical world. And eventually it ends up and he was just like, eat, you know, he's gonna, you're going to take all, you're going to fail, you're going to fail, you're going to fail, you're going to take all that shit and you're going to devour it, you're going to consume it, you're going to look at it, you're going to keep eating it and eating it, eating it, and you're going to devour that, eat your f***ing ashes. And I just, I, man, I'm telling you, it was five o'clock in the morning, I sat up and I went into the table and I opened my laptop and I started hammering out what became OSNR and I finished that game in less than a year at that point. Wow. Yeah, it was just, and I still watch, and he's got a second video too um, that's not as powerful for me as as that one, but it's still on the same themes of like, just, just get your shit done. Like, just produce. That's all you got to do is just make things. And now it's, it's, it's easier more than ever. You know, drive-thru RPG, uh, itch.io or whatever the hell it's called, Lulu. You can do stuff yourself. You don't need a publisher. The day of the those that shit's a dying breed. They are done. Even Amazon, you can you can publish your own books on Amazon. Um, and so, just it's it's so easy. But you have to produce. You have to do it. And when you start getting a roadblock and you start feeling like I can't do this, yeah, man, you got to find that point. And for me, it's watching Max Landis run around a movie set like a crazy person screaming about you know devouring you know pages of manuscript you know metaphorically and having dumbass ideas and you know you finally get to a point where you're still putting things out into the universe and it just happens no that's uh definitely true and speaking of amazon we're on amazon music all right <laughs> <laughs> yeah figure i'll throw that one in there while we're talking about amazon uh, there you go no, it's um, all good man so I think this will be the last question of the night. Um, it's a nice, it's it's a nice easy one, maybe. But when do you decide to talk more openly about your project that you're working on, and what are the risks of maybe opening up too early? Oh yeah, I don't know, man. I know everyone suffers through that because you're, as you're writing shit, you're like, I need to play test this. 
but like with you guys, I don't. We we game once a once a week, and I'm like, uh, I can't just stop games and be like, hey, by the way, now we're not doing this anymore. Now we're gonna try this for a one shot. But you guys have been pretty good about one shotting for me uh, when we were oh, doing totally. it. You tell us you want to try it, and we say yes. <laughs> but, you know, but yeah, there's that reality because like right now, I could go on roll twenty and Reddit and everything else and say, uh, you know, hey, I'm working on on this project. Would someone like to play test it? And I've done that, but it just thankfully it all usually falls through because yeah, there's that bit of trepidation where you're just like, what's to stop someone from recording this or looking at the shit I give them? You know, the handouts. Even if you just start small with like, here's your pre-generated character. I'll tell you what the, what that character sheet means and what those are for. Yeah. And then we'll go through the game. There's still that. Yeah, there's always that bit in your back of your head, which is is ridiculous to be honest. Is like, oh, what if they take this and steal it? Like, and do what? You know, catch up to six months of work in what, <laughs> three weeks and kickstart it and shit. I mean, is it is it possible? Yeah, but not not really, not likely. So, I mean, you got to go with your gut instinct on that. And I don't think I don't think anyone's ever ever comfortable <laughs> with, with yeah. that moment. Still, I'm like, I've got I've got a couple of games that are in a I I need to test. Like, time me out. Yeah. I've got, you know, I've got the 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 templates for Kickstarter and shit for Task Force Raven, and it's just like I need to see that game in full action. Yeah, you've um, been talking about Task Force Raven since, yeah, like pretty much almost <laughs> like the first time I met you, you're talking about it. Yeah, yeah, that's because we ran the test run, but I used a uh, different system, and now I'm writing it on, on its own thing. And yeah, I'm looking at it, and it's just like, fuck, this game seems awesome in my head. But yeah, and you know, given the system that it's based on and shit, can I find players? Absolutely, they jump on that shit in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. um, but um, I just don't trust anyone. Ah, it's terrible to say that, but you know, it just no, is what it, it is. It may, I get mm-hmm. you. I get you. Yeah. It's hard to trust, especially when you're like just doing, like, because when you're kind of like doing these kind of things, it's more of an like the role playing community with tabletop and everything like that. The moment you go away from D and D, they're more insular groups Mm -hmm. we're all kind of you know kind of together we know that oh oh my god you've heard you've heard of paranoia like the amount of times i've talked about paranoia (laughs) with people who say they're into tabletops and they look at me like what the hell are you talking about or any of these things like even mentioning savage worlds like i remember the first time someone told me about it and i was playing D &D and gurps and i was like (laughs) i got no idea now it's like my preferred go-to and i own like 10 of the books Right now, which are just in my little library of RPG books that I'll hopefully one day get to use. <laughs> That's the thing, right? Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. It's just, it's fucking, it's insane. But yeah, it's tough. I don't know, man. I don't have a good answer for that one. I guess trust your gut or just yeah. say fuck it and go for broken. If someone steals your idea, who cares? Launch your idea because whatever you have given them, whatever they produce won't be remotely close to what you're producing because your shit is going to be, it's going to have your unique fingerprints on it. Yeah. Um, And even I, I remember when you actually asked me finder and, um, uh, crispy, I mentioned in a a previous one, when you asked us, Hey, do you think we can do a play test of this one? And we're like, (laughs) yeah, sure. And I was like, do you got anything for us? He's like, they're your first words. We're like, I already have your characters. I'll explain the stuff as it. I'm like, all right. And back when, back when I first started, it was like, I don't even think at that point you actually uh, implemented the, um, you know, your initiative 
like gameplay in there. I don't think you actually even touched an initiative at that moment. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, no, you're just talking. It was just pure mechanics, yeah. and you're doing it more based yeah. off of uh, what made most sense for which player to go first. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, because it's if you look at the initiative, that initiative is definitely unique. And oh yeah, you it's know, it's court. like one of those things. Like, oh, someone steals that initiative, and they're gonna write a goddamn game around it. And it's just like, whatever. And now I'm like, okay, cool story. But I just, I like playing with you guys. And I, you know, uh, it's just easier, easier to, to wait on you guys. You know, oh, yeah. and, and you know we'll be world. brutally honest. Yeah, it's a true statement. <laughs> That's why I ask you guys questions. I know some people are like, oh, you're going to get in an echo chamber. I'm like, no, nah, because I got you two guys. I asked my wife who couldn't give a shit less about things. Uh, <laughs> You know, and then because she told me like, and the, some other folks I know, like the first cover for Neon Blood, uh, the one of my players who looked at it, he was like, "Is this fucking C three PO from the side?" And oh, I, I was don't think like, I ever see, "I don't think I." Yeah, it was. That one. Yeah, it was. It was rough because I, it, you know, me, I'm like, "Oh, this is cool art." And as soon as he said it, I was like, "Fucking can't unsee C three PO." God damn it. <laughs> and so I was like, "Well, I got to find better cover art." And I wanted to do this retro '80s thing, and then um, I got that out of my head. I'm um, kind of glad you did because, to be honest, if I saw retro '80s, I probably would have been turned off on it. Right, yeah, I'm not like, gonna lie. When I mean, when you see the cover for Neon Blood now, it's just to me, it's it's just it's, it's evocative. You're like, why does this chick look so sad? She's got cyber arms. What's going no, on? No, in the current one, like it looks so badass. Like it really kind of brings that more of a cyber feel to it because I find a lot of like covers for a lot of like cyberpunk games. They tend to either look very kind of cartoon, like even like Shadowrun, you look at it and it's cool art and all that. Yeah. But it's not like, even though it's a grittier game, like I don't see grit more in their yeah. art. While yours, I look at it, I'm like, yeah, there's some grit in that just in the front cover thing. Like it's badass. Like, yeah, he's just like, damn, she looks miserable and she has the whole world, you know, <laughs> attached yeah. to her. It's just like, damn. Anyways, uh, well, RP people, that's all the time we had for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode on how to start your own tabletop game. If you'd like to, us to continue down this rabbit hole or have any questions we haven't covered, uh, leave us a comment on Podbean or on our Twitter at RP Smart People. We're also just a small little podcast and it would be much appreciated if you'd subscribe on whatever platform you may be listening to us on. Thanks again for putting us up, uh, putting up for... Uh, Thank you again. Uh, <laughs> thanks again for putting up with us, and I hope uh, you have a good week. See you next time.